1: Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites.
2: Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a foxoliner, moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. Chapter 1 Wayfair welcomes you to the
0: neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia A woman waved from a chic lounger Welcome to the neighborhood," she said Where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love Titus stared in awe Bohemian Boulevard, Transetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog Oh, you'll love Chapter 2 Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck
1: Wayfair
3: Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
2: When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's
1: N-O-O-M.com to sign up today.
2: What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitcherlist.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is August 16th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Are you a database engineer? We have a part-time position that could be full-time as soon as 2024. We want to meet you. Go submit a, your application at Pitchless.com hiring. Uh, we're looking for an advanced database engineer. We have so many fun projects that we're working on and we want to meet you. Bailey Falter, 5.1 innings, wanted run, for hits, one walk in 5Ks. He did really well here against the Mets. I don't really think that it, the ceiling is very high, but consider him as a streaming option moving forward. He gets the Cardinals, then Cubs and Cardinals, and I wouldn't be surprised if two of those three are good. More likely than not, it's probably like one. But there is something here with his four-seamer upstairs and good breaking balls um, with the slider and, and curve balls that uh, I think there's something that could work out over time. Uh, or at least just as a streaming option to consider moving forward now that he's free from Philadelphia. And, you know, pitching in PNC Park is pretty cool. Bryce Elder did well against the Yankees. Was a win. I saw some you know, people ask about Bryce Elder and everyone was like, absolutely not. We're done with him. Like, no. Bryce Elder throws good sinkers inside to right-handers and sliders away. And he does this. arm-side sinkers uh sliders glove side he's always been this we knew he was performing above his head you know uh, early in the season but really he's a toby he's always been a toby that's who he is and against the yankees who are not an exceptional offense on a winning team like atlanta that will let him go seven innings here you go seven innings zero runs one hit three walks three k's you got the win it's 94 pitches he's a discount brady singer right with call strikes on the sinker and whiffs on the slider so keep that in mind, uh, you know, he's not necessarily someone to hold on to forever, but he is a very good win-chasing pitcher. Logan Allen against the Reds gets the gold star because it was inside of Sensi as he earned the co-share of the Gallows Bowl. Six innings, zero runs, four hits, three walks, and seven strikeouts. It's really interesting because this was much better overall command than I normally see from Allen. I, I normally see like a lot of fastballs just kind of in the zone, and hopefully we get those sweepers down and changeups down. But this was absolutely cutters and sweepers uh, really spotted beautifully um, down in glove side. And then fastballs were around the edges. And it was it was very interesting. The changeup wasn't so down, but it was still arm side enough. Like that command from Logan Allen is not too common. And we get the Tigers next. So I guess I'm in with Logan Allen for that. Uh, Michael Gwaka against the Orioles. I had so many reasons for this to be a still ill and not to start him. And who cares what I think? 77 pitches, not like 60 or, or 70, 77, for a win in five innings against a hot Baltimore Orioles offense with zero runs, three hits, one walk, five Ks. His command was good enough. It wasn't amazing on the changeup, but it was good enough. And he did dodge the heart of the plate. And that's really the game plan for Michael Waka. So I guess we're picking him up now and we're just kind of running with this as he looks like he was before the injury. Alex Fajado, uh is turning some heads after getting a 38% CSW in King Cole yesterday against the Twins. Second street start against the Twins. He was actually kind of close to being productive last time, but I actually dinged him because his slider was excellent. And that's really the thing with Fayeto. His slider is phenomenal, but his fastball and changeup aren't. And even when it was excellent last time, he didn't really do too much. And I thought, okay, well, that's kind of a cap ceiling, And this wasn't the most outrageous, incredible start. It was five innings of zero and runs, one hit, one walk, six Ks in 81 pitches. Kind of like this really is the ceiling for the most part save for also getting a win here. 50% CSW on the slider for Fajardo. Again, the four-seamer and the changeup are not exceptional pitches. So it's not really a a good expectation for that slider to be a 50% CSW. And he gets the Guardians next, who I know are not exciting as an offense. They don't strike out a ton. Um, I wouldn't Say that you have to do it against the Guardians. Maybe he's the bottom of questionable, but honestly, it breaks the Waskarinoa rule. If you have an elite slider, you have to have another very good pitch to supplement against it, and you don't, Fiedo. You just don't. Um, Jacob Junis against the Rays went four innings as he opened then for Sean Minaya. I thought it'd be Alex Wood. I never really know what the Giants are doing. They have like seven starters essentially, so then they're just combining uh, like four of them and then going. Cobb and Webb for the others. Is there someone else I'm forgetting there? It's the most annoying thing um, as an analyst, but honestly, as a fantasy player, if you can keep figuring out who that follower is, there was a decent chance for a win. It was 3.1 shutout frames for Minaya after Junis going 4. Now, Junis had his old slider. That is the one with the Royals that got us really excited at first He had one the filthiest sliders for ages, and looked like that a bit here. Now the change that got me kind of excited. I think it was maybe last year uh, for a moment. And uh, yeah, I don't really want to trust Junis. I don't think he's going to go four innings of seven K's and zero runs very often, if at all, the rest of the year. Um, Joe Mantiple opened for uh, Arizona, and it was a full-on bullpen game in Colorado. Zach Wheeler ace is going ace against the Jays. Jordan Montgomery did everything you'd ever want him to do against the Angels of getting a win, six innings, one earned runs, six it- six hits, zero walks, and nine strikeouts, fifteen whiffs. This is finally who he's supposed to be. And I moved him down the list because I hadn't seen this. There you go. You do the thing. Great. I'm really happy. Do it one more time so I can move you back up again. Um, Yusei Kikuchi should go much higher in the list. And I actually thought about doing it this past weekend. I thought maybe one more. Six innings, one to run, four hits, zero walks, seven Ks. He should be kind of like in that uh, Merrill Kelly tier at this point. Like it's crazy. His slider precision is so good. Curveballs over strikes too and the fastball isn't getting destroyed. Like it's really ridiculous how good Kikuchi is at the moment. And I won't continue undervaluing. I might leave with him next time if he does again uh, succeed because I just need to give him that attention. Uh, Bobby Miller against the Brewers did great things. Six innings of one earned run and just one hit and one walk. Only four Ks as he got the win. He was pulled at 74 pitches, which is so annoying. It was a 1-1 game, but I understand the Dodgers like, look, we don't need to push Miller for the sake of like trying to win this single game because we're in a good spot right now. I get it. But also, come on, 74 pitches. Don't look at the innings. Look at the pitches here. Like, ah, let him go a little bit longer. Um, You're wondering, Nick, it's only four strikeouts, though. Yes. And the comp I've been giving for Bobby Miller is actually Wheeler and Alcantara, not other studs that you might know. The reason for that is I think that Bobby Miller's fastballs are going to induce a lot of outs, not swinging strikes, more outs. And it's really on the slider and curveball to turn into whiff pitches. The curveball was really good for earning a ton of strikes. or 74% strike rate on it. Um, 73 on the slider. But the slider it was only thrown eight times. Not a single CSW. Did get outs, got foul balls, all that stuff is fine. But I do want to see that becoming the whiff pitch. I think it has massive potential to be that. Um, same also with the changeup, which we really haven't seen that development on. And so I think as we continue to watch Bobby Miller grow... Part of that development will be Bobby Miller's slider becoming that 25-30% usage pitch of just dominance of at least like 6-7 whiffs a game, that kind of thing. And that will open up the door for more strikeouts. But keep in mind, I don't see him as like a 30-35% to 35% strikeout rate guy. I see more as a 25-30, to 30, but as someone that is able to go 6-7 innings constantly. More so than a lot of your youngins who like Bryce Miller going 5 innings or so. I see Bobby Miller being that, no, I will get outs with my fastballs because it's 100 miles per hour with good movement inside and better command than you normally see at that velocity. He's not just chucking it over the plate. He's actually surgically going inside or away or whatever. It's pretty cool. Uh, David Peterson against the Pirates is nothing to consider. Six walks in 3.2 innings. It's really weird to see almost double uh, walks than innings. Um, it, it's absolutely insane. 91 pitches. At least it's stretched out. But yeah, nothing to report there. And we have other guys to talk about. Uh, Dakota Hudson, Zach Littell, um, Graham Ashcraft, Hendricks, so on and so forth, Giolito, Javier. And we're going to talk about all of those, of course, in today's in the part of starters after this break. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Must be eighteen year older, nineteen year older in Alabama and Nebraska, twenty-one or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call one eight hundred Next Step. In New York, call one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y. In Tennessee, call one eight hundred eight eight nine nine seven eight nine. To go to Hudson against the Athletics, that everything you could ever dream of here. Six point two innings with the win. Two earned runs, five hits, one walk, three Ks. If you took a chance here, it's more of a desperate quality start play. Eight whiffs on the slider is cool, but three Ks, right? Like, it's kind of wild. Dakota Hudson is not this good, but I will not rule out the chance that he can continue to uh, just throw enough strikes. I mean, one walk is really cool uh, for Hudson. He's usually a a major walk guy. So uh, the command, though, I mean, (laughs) I will say this was Hudson like throwing pitches down the middle. Like, it was not surgically done, as I was talking about with other stuff. I, I love the way the word surgically, for whatever reason. But, yeah, well, he was not precise in painting the edges. No, he just, like, threw in the middle of the play, and it worked out. Okay? Blame it on the athletics. Zach Littell against the Giants, a revenge game. Because I don't know if you guys remember, um, he got released by the Giants because he had this confrontation with Gabe Kapler getting removed from a game. Uh, and uh, came back, 5.2 innings in San Francisco, 200 runs, 3 hits, 0 walks, 5Ks. So he did everything that you want him to do. I started him in the Legacy League because I really like this one. I think Littell is doing enough here. Should be a winning team of the Rays, but the Rays are in such a funk right now. Um, very demoralized. Obviously, you have Shane McClanahan on getting Tommy John. You also have the situation with Wander Franco that we're going to see how it plays out and everything. Their offense is sputtering. It's a really weird situation. I know it's a 95% playoff odds for Fangraphs right now, but there is a sense that, like, If one of those wildcard teams really gets hot, there might be some scenario where the Rays just fall off the table here. Poor Littell, because he's doing everything you would want to get a win. And I think we kind of keep holding on to that because he gets Rocky Road, but uh, uh, get the dang man a win. He's done enough. Like, three yard runs across like six innings um, was his last starting to get the win either. Uh, We're being sneaky. Reward us. Ty Bloch against the Diamondbacks. Once again, survived. Five innings, 200 runs, six hits, two walks, and two Ks. Uh, changeup was really good down. I don't really like the rest of the secondaries. I don't really think the changeup is necessarily great. It's just well-spotted here. And super, super reliant sinker on called strikes and balls and play, finding gloves. Like, not a good thing. Um, I can see, like, on the road against a really bad offense, maybe working, but... Uh, Billy Ober against the Tigers did the Billy special. Five innings, two hundred runs, four hits, three walks, six Ks. Sure, not six innings, but like, yeah, this is the middle line good production, not stellar, but not bad. You know, we're all fine with this. Uh Graham Ashcraft against the Guardian, seven innings. Three hundred runs, seven hits, two walks, and two K's. I this is weird, man. Uh, so you guys know me. I am the guy who is not about like just what the results are and stuff like that. I'm I'm so overly focused on their arsenal and how they use it and what that kind of means for their success, right? And how how have they gone their success and is that sustainable and so on and so forth. So with Graham Ashcraft, uh, the story here is essentially he's cutter and slider with like a 10 mile per hour drop traditionally between them, which makes the slider really good. The slider has graded out super well recently, like the last three starts before this, like slider PLV was 5.5 and higher, like really the reason I think that we saw a lot of that success There was also the introduction of the sinker uh, about two starts ago that has been performing well. But the cutter has always been the question mark. Like, it's 96, it comes in hard, or 97 sometimes, maybe even harder. But he doesn't command it well. He commanded it well last start, the one before this one. I was like, oh, maybe there's a thing here. So here's this start against the Guardians. And why am I talking about all this? Because I I love the slider, and it's more about fixing the cutter. But what happened is Grim Ashcraft took his very excellent slider, and then added three ticks to it and removed movement. Like five inches of drop or so. And this is so strange because he took his slider and made it more of a cutter to pair with his already cutter. Why? Like, you had a slider that was 96 Or, sorry, 96 in the cutter, 86 to the slider. It was a really good velocity gap. Everything's there. Now you have like a 91 mile per hour slider with a 96 cutter. It's something ridiculous like that. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why? Why? I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad it worked. Nine base runners, three in runs, and seven innings with 2K. I mean, if you're in a standard league and not a quality start league, like this isn't good. You got a loss, two strikeouts. Whip that is well over one uh, was like a 120 or something. Uh, If I'm doing quick math, maybe a little bit worse. Uh, You get a 300 runs in seven innings, which is over four ERA. Like this isn't good. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't get it. Um, Kyle Hendricks against the White Sox, six innings, 300 runs, seven hits, two walks. It's a very poor quality start. Four Ks. He now gets Detroit and Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, this is who Hendricks is. Um, a little bit worse on the ratio side by, like, one or two, but, like, he's really good with change-ups and sinkers. We know this. He lives in this realm. Uh, it's the Tigers-Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah, next, as I mentioned. Like, you just keep going with him. He is your Toby. Uh, I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like, he's just steady. There you go. Adrian Hauser against the Dodgers. It boggles my mind that he has these games. It really does. I uh, 37% CSW is crazy. Um, I mean, he went 5.1 innings of and runs, so... There is already like okay, not worth it. Got the loss, not worth it. Sub one whip, five hits and zero walks, maybe, and six K's, maybe. Against the Dodgers, like I gotta give him credit for this. I, uh, it's just, I just don't like his arsenal. <laughs> I, I just think it's just so whatever. Um, and I really don't like chasing Hauser, but I understand him as like a desperate play. Like, I get it, he can do this. Luis Severino. Had an interesting start against the land. I put him underneath like bullpen games because I was like, this is just going to be detrimental, which it was four innings, 300 runs, and seven base runners, right? Like, that is more detrimental than whatever bullpen guy you went with. 5K is still not worth it. So, fine. But he was throwing like two ticks harder across everything 98 on the four seamer, not 96. His cutter actually showed up, and I kind of dig this thing 92 miles per hour, 50% CSW. To see him change and go more of a cutter instead of the slider and change it would have been really bad for him. And if he went against a team that wasn't as he threw 83 pitches, he had 12 whiffs and 33% CSW. Maybe, actually, it would have been a good start. Oh, boy. I, I mean, it's Luis Severino. If you're desperate trying to chase something, he gets the Nationals next on Tuesday next week. That is just so sneaky. Uh, he would get the Rays on Sunday after, so... That would be a two-step. I think some are going to just absolutely avoid it. Honestly, if you're in a deep 15-teamer and you just need something, maybe take a chance there. I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, Tukey DeSant, I mean, up two ticks. Generally, when you see up two ticks, you see it fall back down. So I can't really do it. But yeah, I want to. I just want it to work so badly. Tuki DeSant against the Cubs, uh, five walks, four Ks. You only had him for some strike at upside. I do actually still like the curveball. Uh, 300 runs and four innings. It really is good. It's just nothing else is good. At least Charlie Morton is better with spotting his fastball for the most part and the other stuff that he has. Like, Tukey Desai is just the curveball, and, like, the other stuff is, like, oh, boy. No. No, thank you. Uh, Lucas Giolito against the Rangers. I think he picked great. He was also two ticks up on everything. Uh, he took a loss against the te- Texas Rangers. Six innings, four in runs, seven hits, two walks, five Ks, because Corey Seager is just insane. But instead of, like, 92 and change that we've seen a lot this year from Giolito... It was nearly ninety-five. It was ninety-four point eight mile per hour fastball sitting. And the changeup and slider and everything else looked like classic Giolito. And now he starts the reds. And I was I, I pulled down Giolito in the last one because like I just haven't seen him do well. Now I'm I'm very much interested. It, it's kind of funny because it's like the middle of August and when I talk about good pitchers, it kind of doesn't matter anymore. Uh and, and it's really part of the problem I have with September is the roundup stuff. Is only, only really matters for guys that you could actually still theoretically pick up because you can't trade anymore and in your leagues like you have giolito or you don't like I'm, i'll tell you to start him or sit him for the most part you're just going to start him because those are your guys now uh so the guy like giolito like you're not going to trade for him now i mean if you can honestly i would buy low on giolito after the start um if you still have that opportunity but i imagine the the person who has giolito just kind of wants to hold on to and that's that it's always kind of strange uh, when you get deeper in the league uh, or d- deeper in the year. Um, Johnny Cueto against the Astros. We were hoping for some magic. Didn't work out. Okay. Christian Javier, man. Man. So, this has been such a saga. And I've been saying for ages, once Christian Javier has a slider for strikes again, the opportunity for success is there because the fastball has been so good for a while. Sure, it goes, has its ups and downs, but for the most part, you should expect good fastballs from Christian Javier. And then the slider is just the, the, the weak point. Well, 70, 77% strike around the slider, 73% strike around the curveball, and yet 4.2 innings of four and run, six sets, one walk, and 2Ks. Why? Because those two out of 41s, four seamer whiffs. Unbelievable. He got all of those breaking balls in the zone. He just didn't pair it with four seamers that are competitive like he usually does. You gotta be kidding me. It's like right there. You know, I, I've seen this uh, from multiple guys, It's it's the most frustrating thing to me. Is you know, like, how it works, you know, how tangible it is. And from the outside, if you're not seeing all the pitch type stuff, you just see, like, yeah, he stinks, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, I can't trust him, like, he's not doing anything. Like, it's a completely different story from the box score than it is actually Christian Javier. This four innings, 4.2 innings of four runs, and seven base runners in two Ks is not the same as it was a month ago because that the skill he was missing was a harder one to reclaim. So I feel like my my gut says he's gonna do it next start. That's two starts of actually throwing breakers for strikes. He gets back to back games against the Red Sox. I want to do it. I'm I'm not giving up on you, Christian. Nick Pavetta uh, against the Nationals, four point one innings, four and runs, five hits, three walks, seven Ks. The biggest thing about Pavetta has been slider command down and glove side. He's been so good at spotting that. Didn't have it here. And that's really the story to me. It, you know, Pavetta did do well on the four seamer and the curve was okay, but. Not having that slider spotted is the biggest thing. Now, I'm not going to say that it's completely gone now. Uh, There is a chance he does come through against the Yankees, who are kind of this offense. So that said, he gets the Dodgers and Astros after. And if you're on the fence about that Yankees one, you're thinking someone else, I would actually go without someone else because it's not a lock that Pavetta is going to recover against the Yankees, and you definitely don't want to go for the Dodgers and Astros. And if you go for someone else, you might get a chance of them doing well, And also holding after it. So get ahead of it. I I would say it's better to go for the guy that you might hold for two weeks instead of just the next start over, hopefully, Pavetta comes through in the next one because you're not going to start for the Dodgers and Astros. Emerson Hancock was a very disappointing outing against the the Kansas City Royals. Five earned runs, nine hits, one walk, zero, uh, sorry, one strikeout. How am I supposed to butter my bread with this? Zero walks and five Ks. Honestly, he was four innings of great shutout ball. And then he got into trouble in the fifth and allowed a grand slam. All but two outs, by the way. I made mean, sure, yeah, he was in a jam, I think it was first and second, if I remember correctly, with two outs. And I uh, I believe it was a single followed by uh, by another base runner, then a grand slam by Bobby Witt on a low fastball. Now, the the real thing I do want to mention, though, I mean, this is unfortunate. He gets the Astros next and he might be out of the rotation, so there's no reason to hold on to Amberson Hancock at the moment. Um But the one thing I do want to mention is normally from an MLB debut, we see a better start in the second one. Because traditionally, you get a little bit better with your secondaries. You trust them a little bit more. You lean them into them more. And Hancock's MO was really good changeup coming up. He didn't flex it so much in that first start. And I was expecting to see more of it in the second one. Also, the cutter looked good to me. Both of those pitches were not good. And it was really just fastball city. And I think that's ultimately what made that fifth inning such a struggle um it was four hits and in four innings by the way so like he was cruising it looked good and then all of a sudden that happened and that's just how baseball is um but yeah you can drop emerson hancock now thanks that the stream didn't work out uh spencer watkins against <laughs> the cardinals you didn't realize that he was on oakland did you you don't go for it um josiah gray against the red sox yeah there's n- he was i like to see that he's throwing seven different pitches trying to figure out something that works but there's nothing here um, Jordan Lyles against the Mariners, absolutely not five innings of 600 runs and so on and so forth. You don't do Jordan Lyles. And then there's Jack Flaherty. And I know that some of you guys are going to struggle with what you do with Jack Flaherty because next start is against the, the Jays for him. Um, do you hold on? I don't know. Uh, Jack Flaherty looked really good, honestly, in this one. Three innings, 700 runs, for it's four walks, three Ks. Nick, what are you talking about? I think the Padres did a great job of resisting very competitive pitches. There is a difference between... Four walks against uh, against guys that are just chaotic, and there's a difference between what Flaherty just did. Also, seven and runs on four hits is honestly like, I think that kind of shows that if Flaherty was just a little bit closer to this stuff, he was really hard to hit, right? So you're gonna see the seven and run clunker and think like, oh, he's washed up again, he's bad. The Orioles should be really upset. No, 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 no. That that is not this. He was also sitting 94 or right, right around it. Also touched 97. Jack Flaherty is still a very good pitcher. The question is, do we want to hold on to him? Is it worthwhile for the Jays as he does figure this out? I don't know. Uh, I'm not quite there. I'm looking forward to today and tomorrow's games as I have just kind of taken a long time today. Uh, And I hope you enjoyed this one. I I feel like there are a lot of guys that were very interesting. Um, I don't have a great answer for you on uh, the Jack Flaherty thing. Actually, what I'm going to do, if you didn't know, the expected schedules article that we do routinely on the site is back up every single week. So for Jack Flaherty, it is the Jays next, but then it's the White Sox and then the Angels. So something to consider there. I would be wanting to start him against the White Sox, probably against Angels after as well. So in my gut, if there's nothing else that really is calling to you uh, on the wire, I think he's still worth the hold um, uh, for against the Jays here. And then you don't get a two-step after as well, next week or the week after which is unfortunate you won't get it for a bit because it is a six-man rotation right now for uh, for the Orioles. Okay, because this podcast needed to be longer, uh, here we go. Now, um, looking forward to today's games, we have Castillo, Gosman, Kershaw, Verlander, Snell, Paxton, Maeda. You should be watching the New York Yankees and Atlanta game, by the way, on playback.tv tonight at 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. Be there. It's We're hosting a watch party. It's going to be great. We're also going to jump through different, uh, different streams. Austin Bristow and Dave Sherman. Uh, An Atlanta fan and a Yankee fan are both going to be hosting that one. It's going to be awesome. Come on by. Uh, It's just really fun. You watch a baseball game with a community. It's just so much better. It's 100% free. Come by. Um, It's the actual live baseball feed. It's not like we're we're watching the game. Okay. Uh, But all those guys I mentioned, auto starts. You have probable start of Abbott and Nolan Lozardo, Kramer, Savali, Morton Gray. Morton Gray are a little bit more contentious here. Morden gets the Yankees, but I think the win chance is just too good. And Gray against the Angels, uh, I think he's in a good place and you do it. Quest will start here. (laughs) Matthew Libertor against the Athletics. He's my stream pick of the day. I'm excited about this one. Hopefully he does continue the the skills from last time and continues stepping forward. But it was just one start. And I don't want to forget the fact that he was somewhere like 92, 93 before, and even Oakland could mess him up. So that's why it's questionable. Um, Javier Assad is also an interesting streamer. As he went seven innings against the Jays. I don't really think his stuff is that good, but that could work out against the White Sox. Johan Avieto and Reece Olsen round this one out. And they do not start here. You have Reed Detmers, uh, Mackenzie Gore, Mike Clevenger, Paul Blackburn, Ross Stripling with an opener, Wade Miley, Tyler McGill, Gomber, Marsh, Alec Marsh with an opener as well. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, Randy Vasquez, and Slade Sassoni. All of them are not. Guys, you want to go for. I mean, Detmers against the Rangers is so painful. Blackburn didn't look good last time out against the Cardinals, and Miley's against the Dodgers, and you don't want to do that. I'm uh, looking forward to tomorrow. We only have 12 starters. Uh, George Kirby and Zach Gallon really tough for me to choose between them. Kirby gets the Royals, and Gallon gets the Padres. The only reason it's not Gallon is because it's two starts of his current thing, and Padres a little bit tougher than the, the Royals, and Kirby looked so good last time. Uh, Chris Sale against the Nationals. That's a very clear one. Same with Tarek Skubal. If you have him, you're starting him against Guardians. Same with Lance Lynn against the Brewers. And it's very strange to see Corbin Burns in the probable start tiers against the Dodgers. The Dodgers are so good. And Corbin Burns' cutter is just not what it used to be. I hope he just proved me wrong. I feel like if Corbin Burns, you're definitely doing it. But I do see a scenario where you're like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to do Corbin Burns here. And Jose Quintana against the uh, the Cardinals is a stream pick of the day. I'm surprised. He is 16% roster in Yahoo, and 5% ESPN. His command has been fantastic since coming off the IL. This is 2002, 22. Sorry, uh, Jose Quintana right now, and I'm so very much in for this. Uh, it, it does he does get two terrible starts after this one. So if you're like, hey, I want to wait a little bit one more, that's fine. You're probably going to wait like two more weeks and to get back in because it's Atlanta and then I believe it's the uh, the Rangers, which is just the worst. Um, no one in question will start. There's just no one because when you have 12 pitchers. Zeman uh, Curry against the Tigers, not in questionable start. Don't do that. Slider was stupid amazing against strikes last time. Not going to happen. It was 90% strike rate. Not going to happen. Patrick Corbin against the Red Sox, no. Rich Hill against the Diamondbacks. You could make an argument that Rich Hill should be higher because maybe he's open for, which means that he could be in a position to get the win, but no, I'm not going to play that game. It's Rich Hill. Uh, Angel Zerba is going to be open for, likely, and that's why I have him above Adam Wainwright, who is just not worth your time in any situation. And Zorba has a higher chance of a win because of that. All right, that is it. Uh, thank you all so much for enduring this entirely long podcast. But, hey, I just want to help you guys out because I am not leaving you for football. I am doing a f- one football podcast on Friday with Cubulus, It's the one I do where I know nothing about fantasy football. And Drew DeLuca, the director of Cubulus, our sister site for fantasy football, just works me through the casual league I need to draft for, which is so helpful for everybody. It's just like, oh yeah, I don't know anything about fantasy football. That's the one podcast you should be listening to. Um, But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. May your bounce be low and your strikeouts high.